Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this edition of Troy Noons is an absolute my mic is muted. No, it's not. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Starting it off great. Uh, flying in late on a Sunday night for you folks who are watching live. It's 9 o'clock instead of 8 o'clock. Dogs and cats are living together and Syracuse may no longer be in the ACC. Who the hell knows? We're here for another week of it. I'm Steve Haller. With me as always, Andy Pregler and Christian DeGuzman. What's going on, guys? How many people in Southern California know about the State University of New Jersey? John? I will more than you think because there is at least one John Casillo who lives in Southern California. And I know, actually, we have a, I know we've got a couple other readers like uh, uh, David Rothkery and a couple others that are from out there, right? So there's, there's a couple couple bloggians that are that are in the vicinity. Wait, Gentlemen, can we can we can we meet the ultras who are going to make the Southern California trip to Piscataway, New Jersey, for a Fox Big Noon showdown between UCLA and Rutgers oh, in oh, November? All of those words just made my stomach hurt, and that's not from the alcohol that I just drank. <laughs> so we're we're getting right into it. If uh, um, if anyone didn't um, expect this th- to this to be exactly how the pod went, Andy, set us off. Um, UCLA and USC, as natural, got very greedy, wanted some money, and have enjoyed and have agreed to join the Big Ten. Uh, this has set off what I think. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit confused between Marvel shit that's happening this week and college football shit that's happening. I don't know if college none of them make sense. So, <laughs> no. But I was gonna say, I don't know if college football is in phase four, or if the MCU is in phase four, or if they're both in phase four. But we are in some phase of realignment at this point, where we went from the "ooh, that's interesting" to the "nobody's gonna do anything wrong" to the "this feels like a natural conclusion," and now we are in the "God only knows what's going to happen. This might create the decimation of the thing that we all love." And the fact that the MCU and college realignment track that beautifully feels like the note that if you are all listening for the death note of college football, when the Noons podcast perfectly aligns with the college football war bringers, that is when you know we have reached 
the worst possible outcome. We have reached the one in 14 million and 305. <laughs> exactly. We have reached the one upon which this is the only true outcome. Um, but so in, which was so? Which was Thor two? Was it Oklahoma, Texas, or was it USC UCLA? Uh, no, Thor two was Missouri joining the SEC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a good one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or Houston to the Big East. Oh, Ooh. I think it's Houston to the Big East. Houston to the Big East. Houston to the Big East. There we go. <laughs> Missouri is actually Iron Man three, which, if you think about it, is actually a good move. But <laughs> better was better than it should have been. Yep. So confusing. <laughs> Oh, so what's boy. BYU, so what's BYU to the Big Twelve? Or <laughs> oh, we're man. we're that treading in <laughs> shit. We're treading in unch- uncharted territory. <laughs> um, this might be an article, Kevin. Please do not listen to this because I am not in a mind space where I think I can actually track <laughs> this. But if you made me, I could. If you locked me into a room and said do it, I would do it. This is not do the it. time space to do it. Um, do it, do it. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's just so funny that Oklahoma and Texas started this entire year off. I say 2025, that's when shit gets real. And then USC and UCLA, being the frat boys they are, said, hold my effing beer. Yeah, that sounds right. That tracks. It's Listen, I think the joke to the Syracuse connection to all this, and, and Christian, this might be a little bit before your time, is that Dr. Daryl Gross was born for this moment. He was. This was the moment that he was born to be a D1 athletic director for, and he is toiling away in D2, uh, doing or, absolutely nothing. I, I was I was here for the last year of Doc Gross, so I still know about the uh, I still know about the advertising board in Yankee Stadium. Oh, great, fantastic! So mm-hmm. I think I I think there's a lot of different ways that we could spin this, talk about this, whatever. But I think the first thing that I want to talk about with both of you is is this. Um, Christian, we'll start with you. There's been a larger conversation happening around realignment about not necessarily the validity of the whole thing, but the sustainability around natural rivalries and and whether or not any of this actually makes sense outside of a financial setting. And right now, Syracuse is in a conference that has a grant of rights through 2027 meaning there's probably no move happening with the ACC in terms of breaking apart for another couple of years. The grant of rights is very aggressive and basically prohibits any school from moving based off of their financial situations. That being said, as you look at this landscape, do you feel like Syracuse is in a position of leverage? Or do you feel that Syracuse is now among the hundreds of schools that are trying to secure their future with some backroom deals that are are worked over a, a plate of dinosaur barbecue? <laughs> it's definitely the latter right now. And in a season now upcoming where the, the question of who is going to be the next head coach for the foreseeable future... It could be very well decided on the performance of the upcoming season. That makes this upcoming 2022 uh, football season extremely more important, not just for the fact that your head coach is on the hot seat. Now, it feels like every every team that is not 
in the Big 10 or the SEC, this is an audition year for them. And so if, unless you have the, the recent pedigree of a Clemson, of a Florida State, you do not, and, and maybe the long history of a Miami, you do not have the leverage to position yourself in a good position for the inevitable future. And Syracuse finds himself squarely in that position where they are, for now, for the next five years, auditioning for the bigger conferences. Yeah, and Dave, likely you... that timeline is probably even more of a two or three years because yeah. there will be a deal in place before that grant of rights goes into effect, similar to what Texas and Oklahoma are doing. So that short timeline got even shorter. And I don't know if there's anything good to say about that. Where were you I, going, well, I, Eddie? No, no, no. I was going to ask you, Steve. Like, I, I know Christian has gone through this, but like, I have my sophomore year at Syracuse was when the ace. I, I remember this distinctly. I was at home for my birthday weekend, my sophomore year, and uh, the realignment news came out that Syracuse was going to join the ACC the next season with uh, with Pitt. And I remember watching college football. Uh, you know. The, the, the pregame show on ESPN and watching Herbie and Lee Corso talk about how this was the death of college football and how this is proof that like if a legacy conference like the Big East can't hold on to two of its founding members, even though Pitt wasn't a founding member, we're not going to talk about that at the moment, uh, that the entire system was doomed to fail. To me, this is a situation where every five years we say that the end is near. And the end continues to not be near because of the money that's involved. And I do think that NIL dramatically changes the atmosphere that we're in. However, I'm, I'm interested in your perspective, Steve, as somebody who's just seen a lot more of this than we have and has seen, you know, you've lived the NIL life. I know we're nine, so nine early. Minutes. In, nine minutes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> nine minutes into the Steve is old in old joke. But, like, this is a situation where uh, I don't think people realize how both seismic this move is, but also how this is just kind of business as usual. College football adapts to where the money's at. And there is two conferences with money, and it's the ACC, or it's the SEC and the Big Ten. And I don't think this is out of character for college sports to simply follow the money. No, it, and it fits, and it's what we've thought was inevitable for years every time this realignment thing comes up. And I think we're in the end game now, um, if we're going to stick with the Marvel thing. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's almost true. Like, this this one feels different. Like the other ones, the the other realignments that I've been around for, you know, minor or major. I mean, I'm not counting like Temple getting kicked out of the Big East being major, but like major realignments that have been shifts that have occurred. This one seems to be a little more like like you said, we're we're eschewing any sort of regionalism for. Hey, these two programs will bring in money and a big television market. Let's go get them. So it, it definitively has a different feel to what's going on this time around. That said, if 
I guess let me pose it back to you. Is there any way that you see salvaging the current state of the ACC? I think um, yes. to call... Yes, uh, I was going to say, Christian, you should go for this because I will simply regurgitate John Casillo, our, not RIP, but blog in peace Casillo's uh, opinion that he opined to Steve and I in our comic yeah. book chat when we went off the rails earlier this week. Well, I think it's the one thing that I can say to the ACC. It's probably the same thing John said. It, come down, it comes down to one team. One team decides all of this. Mm-hmm. And and you, Andy, you know what it is. Steve, you know where it is. Fans, if you don't know uh, what dun, it dun, is, dun. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, we wish, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it, it's Rudy. Um, so like Notre yeah. Dame is the one that decides all of this. Um, it, the ACC can be saved if Notre Dame, if Notre Dame can work out something with the ACC, and, which hurts to hear. <laughs> yeah, I mean. T- NBC has got a lot of leverage. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, it's it's th- that's the big a bottleneck in the cork that is probably saving the hardcore of the college football fan base from not absolutely losing its collective mind. Yeah, well, I think I think Christian, you're 100 percent right. Where the bottleneck is not actually on. Notre Dame, it's on NBC. Because the uh, the end of the day, like, we have seen even, like, I'm wearing a pirate for those who are not watching the live stream, I'm wearing a pirate's hat and a pirate's button-down shirt. Like, I am MLB fan extraordinaire here. Christian is wearing a Yankee shirt. Like, this is a baseball-friendly podcast here. I'm wearing a um, Grateful Dead shirt. Okay. They're playing, yeah, they're actually pl- you, know, you know what? Grateful you should have stuck to the Syracuse theme. Uh, this weekend wore like a Morgan Wallen shirt or something. Oh <laughs> God! Sorry if anyone. Yeah, no, we're that. No, that's a rabbit hole. We're not getting down on this one. Actually, that, we can, but at a later date, uh, <laughs> a later time. Uh, I agree with you. As a country music fan, I agree with you. Um, I was gonna say, Grateful Dead is actually playing at Citizens Bank Ballpark tonight. I have a friend who's there right now, so it is continuing no. the MLB theme. Congratulations! Do not rub that in because Dead and Company at Spec got canceled on Wednesday, and I drove to Saratoga. Found out it was canceled as we got to the parking lot. It, they canceled it as we got to the parking lot. Had to turn oh. around and drive back to Syracuse. So it's been a week. Someone give Steve a hug. Yep. <laughs> yep. Actually, so. send him beer. Don't give him a hug. Send him a beer. I mean, both are appreciated. So. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say in regards to Notre Dame and giving them a hug is that Notre Dame is actually not the one squeezing the life out of the ACC right now. It is the it is the NBC deal. And when I was bringing up the baseball thing, NBC did something really interesting this year where they went to MLB, who has an exclusive self-streaming property over all their games and said, let us pay you for Sunday morning baseball at 11 a.m. Who actually watches this? I don't know. Why do they do 11 a.m. baseball on Sundays exclusively on Peacock? I'm not 100% sure. Foot in the door? But the the ulti- the end of the day is that there are MLB games taking place at 11.30 every Sunday morning because Peacock said so, and therefore NBC said so. So you've got, like, if I am Notre Dame, the Big Ten can come to me with all the money in the world. 
NBC can just look at that check and say, we can offer you the same thing and independence. And that ultimately to me is where I look at the ACC and I say, listen, unlike the Big Ten, you are not beholden to schools. You are beholden to your grant of rights, which is owned by ESPN. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, ESPN is really smart when it comes to cannibalizing college sports rights in the United States. There, they own, they own all of it. And it would not surprise me at all if the ACC was able to work out some deal with the with NBC, where they said, if you allow Notre Dame to join the conference, we uphold your deal, and you still get a side piece of the ACC action that is almost exclusively Notre Dame. Let's say Clemson is playing Florida State for the title game, and that game ends up on Peacock exclusively. I don't think you guys would hate that. And I think that is what, and Christian, you hit the nail on the head. If the uh, ACC negotiates... I am now imagining the ACC title game on Peacock, and that just hurts my brain. It does, but like at the end of the day, that's what saves the ACC, is that the Big I'm- Ten... Has its I just, contract? I, I just hate that you said it's on Peacock. If it was like on Main NBC, <laughs> that'd be fine. Like, but but, but, but look put at, Clemson, Florida I mean, State on Peacock. Put that on Peacock if you want. Well, that's the thing, though. I mean, look at we we are all. If anyone who's listening is a first time listener, we're all really big soccer fans too. And look yes, at what they are. did with the Premier League. And yeah, you know, you can see City versus Chelsea on Peacock. So they're not afraid to put big stuff on that platform. I it's, mean, yeah. Look at like look at the Champions League. They put every single it's game on until what, the, Paramount Plus. Plus yeah, now, yeah, for, every single game until the final on Paramount Plus. Right, it's insane. And I, and I think this is the deal: is that like uh, I have a friend who is he's a unfortunately for him. Sorry, I just dropped a poker chip that I fidget with. Um, he is a UConn fan, so we ignore his opinion most times. Right. Yeah, I know. It happens. Um, however, air, air go, air go, every, yeah. everyone's got one. <laughs> Every, every everybody's got that one UConn friend. <laughs> so so Tucker and I were chatting, and he, for years ago, he always said that streaming was going to become cable, where it would become so unwieldy to pay for all of the individual things that you want that people would stop doing it and look at the cheaper alternative. And what is the cheaper alternative to ca- to streaming nowadays? It ends up being cable in a lot of places, which is terrifying. Uh, so I look at, again, I look at something like Peacock, where they've put soccer on Peacock almost exclusively for high-end games, but they just rebranded USA to be almost an exclusively live sports network. Mm-hmm. If it's not live sports... It's reruns of classic programming that they know will hit a Nielsen of at least 2.5 without even worrying about it. There's no so more it's, like it's NCIS and Life Sports, Law and Order. Yeah, Law and yeah, Order. Exactly. That's me. That's me and my dad. Law, original <laughs> Law and Order reruns. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll but, put we'll put that on if it's on if it's the Thursday four to ten marathon of like six episodes. My dad and I are on that. Dun dun. But like. But remember when USA used to like create original shows like yeah, Psych, Burn and Notice, Monk and Burn Notice? Yep. Wasn't so wasn't Suits? USA Suits, was yep. Suits was, yep, yep, exactly. And USA has Monk. cut that Tony entire Shalhoub, division man. of Tony their company. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub is great. He actually time out. He owns one of the best Italian restaurants in New York right now. Uh, oh, it is. yeah, I know this one. It's a, it's the pasta place, right? 
Yes, it is. Yes. Yep, exactly. It's right by my office. Uh, I'm oh, going to try incredible. it out. Some... <laughs> it's not called Tony Shalhoub's, even though no. I feel like it should be called Tony Shalhoub's. <laughs> no. Just no, a I've picture seen, of his I've face seen, is the logo. I've seen I've seen a lot of YouTube videos on on, on this uh, on this place, and it's incredible. Tony Shalhoub's Pasta Place. Please sponsor us. Um, anyways, <laughs> my larger point is that NBC is fundamentally changing the way that they organize their sports. And to me, if I am the ACC, I am in Stamford, Connecticut, or wherever their fucking headquarters is, and I am going, how can we make this work? Because, Christian, you were right. This is how this works. Notre Dame and NBC are the key to the ACC survival. And I'm now going to flip it to you. Let's say the ACC refuses to make any deals with with anybody. Let's say that this ends up being like a, we're not going to move, we're not going to do shit. Does Syracuse? I have I have my opinion on this. Is Syracuse an attractive option for either the Big Ten or the ACC? No. <laughs> no not even close. Not even close. Well, that actually that jives with uh, we just got a, um, a question in the chat as to you know uh, do we think Wild Hack is making calls to the Big Ten? Probably. If he's smart, he is. He, he's at least checking. It, like yeah. he's not coming in with a serious offer yet, at least. I hope not. But like, he's at least checking to see like what what the parameters are. Because remember, like we like I said at the top of the broadcast, this for all the teams that are on defense or definitively not on defense right now on the opposite side, like Syracuse is. The next couple of years are addition years. So Wild Hat could probably call and say, "Hey, what would make Cuse attractive?" Because right now they're not. What would make Houston an attractive option to join a bigger conference? And if he's smart, that's the call he's making. Yeah, yeah. that seems that seems right. And I guess I guess it comes down to two phone calls because you need Wild Hack on the phone to the Big Ten, making sure SU has a remote chance of surviving this stupidity. Um, but you also have like is Jim Phillips doing enough to court Notre Dame, like we're talking about, to make the ACC stay relevant? And I don't know what that situation is. That's that's another big one for me, is is that conversation even happening? I mean, I'm sure, yes, to a degree, but like, are they throwing everything they can at it? Because they need to. If Jim Phillips is talking with the Big Ten, and he has that connection because he's previously Northwestern, mm-hmm. then... Then you actually start to get uh, a potential, the potential of the big merger, which is ACC Big Ten and an SEC Big Twelve, Pac twelve, like that. Eventually, that all merges. That puts the ACC Big Ten challenge in a whole new light. Yeah, it does. At that point, do you have Pro Rel? (laughs) This. Oh, oh yeah, remember, remember. now we get to introduce UC, USC basketball fans and UCLA basketball fans to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Hasty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think John wants to see that. <laughs> John would like oh, to so, go to that. So he, can, so he can commute to a game? <laughs> Without uh, an airplane involved? Yeah. <laughs> uh I, I think one of the things that I want to talk about uh, is uh, I think realignment gets a lot of conversations around football and basketball, as it should, because that's what's driving it. 
But man, so my one of the guys that I work with really closely, his son, he has three sons. They're all Division One athletes. Um, to answer the question, yes, he was a former basketball player at LSU and Baylor. So I, I was going to say, is he a Jones? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> you work with Chan and Art's dad? Awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is from Louisiana, uh, and I will not name drop him, but he was a former D1 basketball player. His three sons, one plays lacrosse, one is a competitive runner, and the and the oldest that is the quote unquote least athletic, um, I think swims, which uh, again, yes, because, because the swimmers are the least athletic out of them. Right. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally tracks. Exactly, exactly. Um, but so we were talking. Uh, so I was talking to him about realignment, like as it was breaking, and he was just like, "How the hell does USC?" find a way to justify the cost of pulling a swimmer out of class for a week so they can get on a domestic flight to Champlain, Illinois. Mm -hmm. That's going to take them two days to just get to the fucking swim meet, two days for the swim meet itself, and then two days back to class in a 14-week semester. Like, there's almost zero way that that actually works out in a sustainable model. Student athletes, Andy. Student athletes. Shout out to the UCLA track team who now has to go to Wisconsin for the Big Ten championships. Mm. (laughs) Kevin is just sitting here like, yes, this is my, yes, this is my, give me something to write about. (laughs) We, we, we gave Kevin track talk. It's, you know, first time for everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a track and field blog now. Remember that. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. We all we have to have our niche based on our editor. But like this, the point is that like this realignment. Yes. Talk, prior, it was just a football scheduling blog. Now it's a track <laughs> blog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all dumb. Like this, mm-hmm. the point is that we we've moved beyond the point of like oh, Syracuse and the ACC kind of makes sense because Syracuse to Florida is an easy spirit flight. Like, right. We we are we are so beyond that. But, like, think about it. The So midweek, Kevin posited, you know, what would ultimately happen in the shakeout if if it became the two 20-team 20, mega conferences. And you've got Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal being snagged up by the uh, Big Ten, and then Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Georgia Tech being stolen by the uh, SEC. That leaves notre dame doing notre dame things whatever like the the whole premise was like notre dame's just going to notre dame and we'll figure the rest out um which we've done for a hundred years right it's it's worked out okay but um (laughs) duke unc nc state wake Pitt, vatek bc us louisville west virginia kansas baylor tcu cincy Texas Tech, Houston, Iowa State, and it just starts dropping off, you know, BYU, UCF, SMU, Memphis, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado. Like, there's not a ton of Wazoo, Oregon State. You're running out of names. Like, it really yeah. is a 20-20 and then the leftovers. And that's a solid conference for non-football-related things. To be fair, that's a hell of a basketball conference. But... What, what? Where does that leave everybody else? 
I mean, <laughs> anyone anyone who's listening, that pause was Andy just taking a huge breath and sighing, and Christian just awkwardly staring up at the ceiling because there's no real good answer here. Yeah, you know what you know what the good answer is, Steve. That list leaves you with a great list of home field apparel schools. Absolutely. Home field apparel. <laughs> Sponsors of the Troy News is an absolute podcast. Makers of fine vintage collegiate apparel, non-conference specific apparel for those schools. Some of them, you know, you can still relive your greatest conference memories in uh, cozy t-shirts and hoodies. Others, you could just live in your wonderful past lives of schools that actually mattered in this space of college football. Uh, they have hoodies. They have joggers. They have t-shirts. They have long sleeves. They have sweaters of a lot of your favorite schools. All you gotta do they is go to They have tanks home field now, too. They have tanks because they understand that summer is for the dad bod and no shirt shows off the dad bod like a tank. Get yourself a <laughs> tank. This, uh, this week was Oklahoma. They have a dog dunking a basketball saying, top dog. So, okay. Cool. Why I mean, not? That's it. That is better than realignment talk. I would like the top dog tank. If you would like the top dog shirt, head to Homefield Apparel and use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at Homefield Apparel, the school that will gladly take your misfit alignment of college teams and make something joyful out of it. Gentlemen, I think that is the best ad read that I will ever deliver in my life. I am retiring from ad reads after today. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> back on it. Uh, oh, by the way, for the record, off-season pods are the best. <laughs> We've been on okay. and off the rails so many times right now. Lord, yeah. Why? Okay, I mean this very seriously to the two of you. Why is it that all of the shit happens in this window before spring practice happens. It never happens when spring practice is happening and we're going, well, we can't actually talk about spring practice because if we do, we're going to get subpoenaed by Syracuse Athletics for leaking private information. But it always happens right now. And it just it just frustrates me to no end that all the good news happens before August. Oh yeah, we'll be we'll be dead during camp. Like yes. when fall ball mm-hmm. starts, we will be completely dead. I'll be scraping uh, Stephen Bailey's like thirty-second clips that we can get, or the whatever uh, random like promos SU Athletics puts out to try and find anything. And yet here we are with realignment talk, and then we do have a couple. I think we've got at least one other question from the chat, and then uh, some <laughs> other things to hit on. And it's like, what? Well, how? How does the off season work? This is a well, summer it, night where we well, just it, all it, send yeah. text out, like, are we doing this? <laughs> well, it's also because, like, they, they, they know. They know, yes, now the people have to talk about football, so they are too preoccupied to talk about anything else. But, but as you all say, college football is year-round, so when the practice isn't happening and football isn't happening, they need something to happen so that people can talk about football. Well, I guess, you know, we're talking football. Like, we're, we're saying the word football a lot. We're going back to realignment because I still can't get off this. Does <laughs> does the current state of Syracuse basketball drop our value? Because is yes. like the yes. luster of where we are and where we currently are with a coach and a legacy, and is the program the coach or is the program the program? 
is a big question out there. And any longtime listeners know where all three of us stand on various points of this. Um, me, the most cynical. But uh, yeah, it's it's it really like where we are currently kind of leaves a, an elephant in the room of it's not what it was and it's not what like you hear Syracuse yeah. you think of a certain level and we're yeah. not there and this, is it this, a fluke yeah, all, the, all the realignment stuff couldn't be happening at the worst time right at a worst time for Syracuse yeah. like this is the absolute worst time for all this realignment talk to and, be happening because every because every single major men's athletic program is in a downturn right now yeah Christian, not just in a downturn, but a paralyzing downturn. Yeah. So for men's basketball, it's a coach that has more power than the athletic director over his long-term future. In men's lacrosse, it's a coach that you just mortgaged your entire program's history on. And in men's football, uh, shout out to Split Zone Duo, which did a Syracuse preview episode as a Patreon exclusive where they talked about Syracuse football, which that itself, we could get into some of the things that they talked about there. And gave a nice shout out to the site. (laughs) Yes, they did give it, this is why I'm shouting them out too, Reciprocal Podcasts Eats Itself, The Tale Eats a Tale. Uh, So we're in a podcast Ouroboros right now? Oh my god, good lord. (laughs) Give us all the nerd references. Uh, (laughs) But a football coach who, by all intents and purposes is financially locked in to this year and every other school knows that whoever Syracuse hires is taking a job that they're either not qualified for or they don't really want. Right. Um, and so for those that don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to the Split Zone Duo's Patreon Syracuse preview. They talk about the Dino Babers buyout situation, which we actually covered on Noon's Magician pretty exclusively. They also talk about their rumblings around the Syracuse program in general, and for those who wish Sean Lewis to come back and coach post-Dino, it sure as hell sounds like he is not interested. Uh, well, things not, can change. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interested. It seemed like he's not interested on face value, but also like, what are you gonna say? Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the job of my mentor, <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, he's other, been in the, the Babers coaching tree for the whole time. Like, it's not like he's going to be forthright and be like, "Yeah, I'd go back and coach there." When my the guy who taught me all I know is fired, like, why not? Well, the other part of it is that Syracuse would have to pay Toledo like upwards of yeah. five million dollars, and like when they're also paying the nothing. buyout of the current coach. Exactly. And now like, again, getting- this is also this is also assuming, and everyone who's listened understands my take on it. I actually think there's enough talent on the roster to hand to handle six games, which is the magic number at present. Yes, yes. But there's there's no two ways about the it. Optimistic one. I've always been the optimistic <laughs> one when it comes to football. Everything else, I'm the cynical one. <laughs> uh, but it, actually, it seems like uh, Q Sports 44 in the chat also is on the. Uh, the quote was not being biased, but I think three people think people are sleeping on issue football this year. When was the last time we had three legit top three round NFL draft prospects? I, he's not wrong. The difference is that this is the first time that we've also had to play ten power five teams that are all better than Syracuse objectively in the season. Like it's not, it's not, it the, it's not that this team is bad. It all comes back to scheduling. Just when we think Casillo's out, we bring him right <laughs> back. In. 
kickoff matchup in 2025 returns. <laughs> God. This this football season, I want to start this refrain now. This football team is not bad. Your schedule is shit. Oh, this I've I've the, said this... that to so many people. This might be the most talented team we've had on paper in years. Probably as talented or more talented than the 2018 team. However, yep. they are scheduled into a shitstorm of a mess. And you know they may they may come out of it. This may be a five or six win team that is athletically and quality-wise better than a 10-win team. And I'm not saying uh, that to discount the, the 2018 team. I'm saying, like, there's there's a drastic disconnect there. So the 2018 team went into their bowl game uh, ranked, I think, 41st in SMP Plus. Yep. Um, I'm not saying that this team is going to be better than 41st in SMP Plus. That's, like, a big ask in general. However... Would it surprise you if this team won four games and was ranked in the 40s in S&P Plus? Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay, we're just leaving it at yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 think, I think it would surprise me. I think this is a team that is destined to just stay in the 50s um, just based on not – and to T's credit, not to any fault of their own – more so to the fault of the opposition that they are playing. And so, yeah. If, again, the sad thing is if you scheduled better, you'd probably get a better idea of what the true potential of this Syracuse staff is. Right. Now, I have yeah. opinions on why this Syracuse team is not going to be good. Um, 50% of it is the schedule, and 58% of it is the personnel that isn't named Michael Jones, Garrett Williams, and Sean Tucker. So. Right. The, the three first round picks, or or Matthew Bergeron, <laughs> or the third draft, uh, Matthew Bergeron, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing that got posed is, what in the schedule would you have changed this year? Swapping out Purdue is really the only thing we could have switched, right? And yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's the big elephant in the room is you schedule Purdue mm-hmm. on the same year that you know you have a Notre Dame matchup. Yes, and you can't do that. Like mm-hmm. you schedule a directional Michigan and hope. That's yeah. That's what you do right well, there. Tim Lester's probably still looking for another oh, Syracuse Western Michigan home Tim, home. Tim Lester would take us any game. <laughs> I'm I'm also gonna say you don't have to go to UConn this year. You don't have to go to a UConn team that just hired Jim Mora and has its highest recruiting class in God, ten UConn years. UConn has Jim Mora. Oh my God. Yeah, like this is this is the Jim, point. Is that yeah. like? I'm UConn actually fine on the, that, but that's that's strictly a. Uh, we didn't know when we signed up for it that they're hiring Jim Mora. And also, I don't give a shit about Jim Mora because he couldn't, like, he hasn't coached in college in how many years? And I also, don't... he couldn't coach in the NFL. So what the hell's the difference? I don't disagree <laughs> with you. My point, my point is more along the lines of, like, we are playing at UConn in a season where this is UConn Super Bowl. Like, just talking to UConn people, the game oh, is yeah. now a APM primetime game for them like this is going to you mean, be you mean, it's, inc- you mean their Super Bowl isn't against UMass <laughs> uh, it's, I, they keep this, going on their trajectory that we play in UMass Lowell instead of UMass Amherst so. oh my god <laughs> oh Steve with the burn yeah uh, Northeast Burns <laughs> <laughs> I mean but this is this is the point is that like Again, Steve is right. You knew you were playing Notre Dame this year, so you only get three non-conference games, and your three non-conference games are Purdue, 
Yukon and Wagner. Wagner is fine. Yukon on its face is when we meh. signed up for that game, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> but we also had not signed up for the Purdue game at that time, so it's which, which inherently game. makes the Purdue game the really really dumb one. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you can schedule three out of go for it, we're all in agreement. It's the it's the Purdue game. Yeah, like yeah. And 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 this is the point is that a lot of people are like I I understand the argument of like, uh, well Syracuse like big games are like what you get up for the dome for. Who like I mean this very seriously. Who in the fucking Syracuse area is looking at Purdue and going, that's the game that's going to get me to the Carrier Dome? I won't go watch Syracuse play Pitt. I won't watch Syracuse play NC State. I won't watch Syracuse play Florida State. But you know what? Purdue gets me out of my home and into the Dome. Like, Purdue is not a needle-moving game. game, Come back to us when that game gets less than 35,000 fans. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The Penn Penn State game, while I hate it, I get it. You will right. sell out the dome. Mm-hmm. You will sell out your visiting allotment. I don't think it makes any sense from a competitive standpoint. It makes sense from a ticket sale standpoint. Right. The Purdue game makes zero sense from any standpoint other than we didn't know who else to call. They reached out to us. We said yes. Well, so, and it would have. So, so, so here's now the real question: What did Tennessee see in Syracuse, and how can Syracuse use that to their advantage? to maybe bump themselves off in conference realignment talks. <laughs> I think Tennessee saw an easy win and a way to reclaim the orange emoji. <laughs> oh, God. Here we are. The, and, you know, I- Illinois even got credit in the Tommy DeVito transfer saga. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> they grabbed they grabbed emoji points during that. Um, um, yeah. I also want to call out, like, while we're talking about scheduling and we talk about the, the stupidity of the Purdue game, um, the 2023 football schedule includes home against Colgate, home against a directional Michigan. We have to go to Purdue and we play home against Army. Um, that seems straight out of the that seems straight out of the John Casillo school of scheduling. That is fine. Yeah, which yeah. I'm fine for. One Imagine one big out of conference out- game and three winnable games. Yeah, imagine swapping out like Purdue and UConn for directional Michigan and Army. Like, yeah, I think your S, I think the S and P drops by like seventy five in a cumulative total, and UConn's not good. <laughs> um, however, they also have at Florida State, at Georgia Tech, at Virginia Tech. Um, I will be at the Georgia Tech game this year. Just letting everybody know. Uh, oh, that, well, right. That's when they year. switch. That's when they switch to three five five. Yes, they do, and so. Shout out to uh, FB, FBS, or FB Schedules for uh, having uh, that information up, up top. They are fantastic. Highly recommend them for all your future Absolutely. scheduling needs. I may actually um, be at the Boston College game this year. So. Ooh, why are you going to Chestnut Hill? Uh, just a bunch of people that live right near there that I'm good friends with. So, When you live out there for a while, you, you kind of meet people. I'll see if I can yeah. get into a Rutgers-USC game. <laughs> Noons on the road. Here we go. Noons on the road. Uh, but okay, so let's let's talk about one more thing about the schedule that I don't think that we've gotten to cover on this show yet is the three 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 five modeling that may or may not exist because it came out literally the week before realignment hit. Uh, because you know that's just how college football and noons and noons world works. Oh, before um, we this- before we dive into that and make this a completely football pod. Uh, 
did we did we hear anything more about uh, our women's lacrosse coach and the women's championships? Because she's behind playing for Team goals, USA. Cool. What's behind that? the back goals. Behind the back goals. Cool. Really? Did I miss a memo there? Haley Trainer is still good at lacrosse. There you go. So that she's she, she's leading uh, leading Team USA in a quest for gold, which I don't know if the final has been played. I know they played in the semis, right? They want they. I know. I think that I think they won. I'm pretty sure they won. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, and then the only other thing that I saw this week was women's basketball adds another transfer forward, uh, uh, Durano Lewis. Black said two transfers from LIU. Brooke won one of them as a goalie, who apparently was a very good goalie. So hopefully that gives the Syracuse another option at goalie because they desperately need options at goalie. That makes sense. Now if we can get some like, more like long like sticks devils. in. <laughs> sound like the Devils need options at goalie. Yeah, uh, as a hockey fan, it's pretty much just need options everywhere because I'm a Sabres fan. Well, yeah. Well, you aren't getting Matt Murray, I'll tell you that. I can't help you there. (laughs) No, nobody has for the last 20 years, so. Can we get Daniel Breer back? (laughs) Uh, There's that ship sailed a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, No los dos. Or por que no los dos? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So, so yeah. Uh, Now now we're officially not strictly a football podcast. Fire away. Yes. Uh, now that we are no longer strictly just football podcast, um, what is, and I mean this very seriously, uh, with the football schedule being what it is, and we're looking at, you know, the, the road schedule and what Syracuse has, I do think that something that is out of our control that we need to take into account is the composition of the schedule. Um, one of the things that Dino Babers has talked about for years is that he despises that Syracuse has opened on the road for almost his entire tenure. And we know why that is. Uh, Syracuse feels that it cannot compete against the State Fair of New York and that it needs to start on the road while the State Fair is in town in order to draw the maximum number of people for a game against a shitty opponent. Um, I mean, their sculptures are pretty cool. (laughs) But the one... And as a New York State resident... The thing they're not accounting for is the fact that people are coming in from around the state for the state fair that would go to a goddamn Syracuse football game if it was there. Mm-hmm. I am so with you. Um, and so we're at this point where this year's schedule, they go, cool, we did that for you. We gave you an opening home game. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is against Louisville. It's against Louisville. Lee Cunningham. Good luck. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, it yeah. is Youth Sports Chris- Day. Christian had the correct answer of ha 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 ha. It's against Malik Cunningham. Remember the last um, time that we played Louisville in the Dome in September? No, that yeah. game didn't happen. <laughs> Steve. I Steve, was there I and you. I watched that hurdle, alright? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I'm with you, but like that hurdle is on every highlight video <laughs> on both NFL and ESPN college coverage. Dude, I'm pretty you sure cannot... Syracuse puts it on their highlight video because it was so <laughs> ridiculous. 
I'm pretty sure it's either the dome. This player his Heisman moment. Like you know how people, right? People get honorary degrees. Like we gave him the honorary highlight. Responsible for two Heisman winners in our career. Seriously, not just Larry Davis, but Lamar Jackson earned his Heisman in the Carrier Dome. Who has oh. the more famous carrier? That's what Syracuse takes to the Big Ten. We could give you Heisman winners because you played your players against us. Oh, God. It's sad. I laugh and I cry because it's true. Who has the more famous carrier dome jump, Gary Gay or Lamar Jackson? It's Lamar Jackson, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. In the broad, in the broad scale of things, it's probably Lamar Jackson, which is sad. Shout out to Jawan Dowles. What is he doing now? Oh, wow. Uh, not so, thinking about Lamar Jackson hurtling him. No, probably uh, still thinking about Lamar Jackson hurtling him. <laughs> Man. Oh. Do you think Jamal Adams thinks about Roddy Dixon almost punching him? I forgot that that was Jamal Adams. Yeah. That was Jamal Adams. That was Jamal Adams. <laughs> A really good player that Riley Dixon almost punched. Just cold cocked. <laughs> oh, Wow. That era of like I I know Sean and John are are retired, but the two of them need to team up for an era like a book about the shittiest era of Syracuse football that is also the most interesting era of Syracuse football. Yeah, oh, that was so the Greg Robertson era. Uh, you didn't have to say it, man. Gerg. <laughs> it's like it's like is the perfect game. You don't book. talk about it. Is, is this the is this the second book now that uh? That Sean writes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, the book that is going to the rundown. <laughs> God, here oh, we go. Um, um, another. What the hey, fuck just happened? I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, we were talking. We I do. Talk I do have one house. more serious question from the chat. Uh, okay, and I said, I, I only, I told him I would get back to it. But considering no injuries, who is Syracuse's starting quarterback in the last game of the season? No injuries? Assuming no injuries. no injuries. Justin Lamson. Not really? those not those no injuries. No, oh, okay, fine. Assuming people that will start the season. So it's I, basically it's basically I, Schrader or Del Rio Wilson. I, no, I'm actually gonna be honest. I think it could be Jacoby and Morgan. Because wow. I, yeah. I because because Morgan huh. you think about it, Morgan in his first couple of games in twenty twenty didn't look bad as yeah. a passer. And, and the only he's reason... A, he's, a, he's a pocket QB. He's yeah. not a... Oh, 100%. Reason, and, the only reason why, and the only reason why he didn't play more is because uh, Steve is, Steve's favorite unit continued to be a revolving door. Yes. So, yes, it was. And so, um, and so like, he, Morgan showed good presence at quarterback. And that's why I put a lot more stock into Morgan than maybe some other people think. Yeah. And... I, I actually like his arm enough to where, especially since Dolrea Wilson mm-hmm. is coming in, just starting off in fall ball. Um, he, he, may, he We don't know if he's going to be the number two. He may be, just because of the name pedigree and things like that. But Morgan has spent the longest time in this system out of yeah. any of the quarterbacks in the quarterback room. That's a really so good point. He knows... In every single in and out of this Syracuse football system. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I, I really. So okay, one. I, I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. So on the um, Split Zone Duo podcast, the Patreon episode that they did about Syracuse football, 
one of the most telling things that they said was that opposing defensive coordinators who they had talked to. So you've got Stephen Godfrey, um, Richard Johnson, and Alex Kirshner, who are all pretty plugged into college football. Specifically New- notorious, football. notorious Tony White fan, Richard Johnson. They are guys who actually follow Syracuse football. Like, I think that that's a really big caveat to put onto the header of, like, they are not national football writers who only pay attention to Syracuse when they play Clemson. Like, they actually follow college football. They said that when they talked to college football coordinators about Syracuse's offense, the biggest complaint was that over the last few years, guys would go to spots. And it was really easy to scheme for those spots. And, and I can reason. tell you what those spots were. Yeah, and, and like us three could tell you what those spots spots are, because to just to elaborate on that point, the the run game only evolved when Mike Schmidt came in and implemented yep. his his philosophies. When Mike Schmidt wasn't there, what was the one thing we always complained about? A first down run up the a gap. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and to go along with that. When you think about it, we it's hard to measure the skill of a Syracuse wide receiver because each wide receiver runs the same two or three routes. Right. Yeah. You're gonna have yeah. And we can and we can have a whole this, different pod about what <laughs> like bring that down, but yeah, a hundred percent under the, under the prior administration uh, as offensive coordinator. What's the last time you've seen Courtney Jackson run anything but a curl route? Curl route. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I was like, the slots are going to run that. You've got a 10-yard dig on one of the outside receivers. You've got the other running a fly. Uh, you have pretty well two options for the backside uh, um, slot guy. And that's about the extent of uh, what the playbook was. And then you have, temp- and then you have Tucker attempting to block. Right. It, well, you know. That, that's why a- attempting, attempting. attempting is a very apt term. Word. For all of uh, but, for all of Sean Tucker's amazingness, blocking not a strong suit. No, and that's fine. But like this is but <laughs> well, this it's is not fine for his NFL, NFL not prospects, not the, not but in, not in the NFL, it's not. But you know, they'll they'll work on him. Uh, but this is my point: is that like we are we're talking about this offense, and we can all go like, oh yeah, this offense is shit. But this is why I think a Garrett Schrader or an Eric Dungy or even a Tommy DeVito when his pants are on fire, do better in the offense than a true drop-back quarterback. And again, I think this year is going to be really telling because a guy like Jacobian was never set up for success when the defense knew what was coming. Mm -hmm. But if you get into this new system where a pocket quarterback doesn't have to move a defense out of its base positioning or out of its expected positioning with his legs you might get more. And, like, this has always been, I think, my thing with Garrett Trader is that, yeah, he's moving with his legs. His arm is shit. The reason his arm works is because he played against defenses that the minute that that he started moving, teams went, oh, shit, we were told that this guy is just going to make a five-second throw on one of these routes. All we have to do is camp out here, and we're going to be fine. And that's he was able to break up those plays with his legs. Same thing with Dungy. Uh, he was able to break up those those monotony plays with his legs, and so now we're in a position where that's hopefully right. going to change with the new OC, and that's no. that's my biggest hope. And I actually, Christian, I agree with you. I think that if all things break right, 
Garrett Schrader should not be the quarterback unless his arm has significantly improved. Yeah. And no, if his I will arm has significantly you. improved, great. Let's go for it. I will tell you, and Christian can attest to this because we're two of like 2,000 people that got eyes on it. Garrett Schrader was putting balls over the top on people. Like He was making decent throws in spring ball. He didn't get to play during the scrimmage. But even during drills, he was, I think, at least working with Beck has helped him. I don't know if that's enough to make him a serviceable passing quarterback. Yeah, there's, there's two. He, he needs to honestly improve uh, in two areas. When he's standing still, it's got to be the short pass, yep. the short medium pass. He can, he can actually hit the long ball, like Steve said, and he showed that when he's in the pocket and has started to throw. He can hit the long ball. He has that arm. Uh, and then on the run, like Andy said, like that's that's a thing that doomed Devito, and eventually, yeah. and and if Schrader doesn't fix it, it'll doom him. It's the decision making out of the pocket. Right. They they've they've got to be a bit more decisive on whether to tuck and run, or chuck the ball out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, right now. QB room, complete complete situation in the QB room. Schrader's the starter. Del Rio Wilson transferred in. Uh, Valari and Jacoby and Morgan, well, Valari transferred in. Jacoby and Morgan, Luke McPhail. That's it. I'm assuming, you know, Lampson, we're still assuming is season-ending injury. But, like, yeah. that's what we got to work with. So, here's to hoping. And when, and when you say that, remember, Valari and Del Rio Wilson... First year guys, McPhail yep. preferred walk on. So the Valar it's I think it, this is Morgan's this is Morgan for the second string. Yeah, and I thought Morgan looked better in the spring game, but that's mm-hmm. you know, limited also, run also, against who he was playing against. So Yeah, but remember Morgan was playing against the first threes and team fours. Defense. No. No, Morgan was playing Morgan was playing against the first team defense. Valari was playing against the first team defense. They, the oh yeah, they were they were swat. Yeah, first, I was thinking. The, yep, because McF- Morgan McPhail continued. was playing. Yep. McPhail That's was playing against the threes and fours. Yep. But yeah, no, Morgan was. Morgan he was Valar in the was twos. Yep. The, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, between the uh, between the uh, first team defense. My brain keeps assuming Schrader was playing and that Lamson wasn't running the ones, which he was. <laughs> so yeah. and looked really goddamn good, and I wish he didn't get hurt. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fun. You know what? That is a great way to end this podcast. <laughs> An hour of conference realignment, Syracuse football, weird stuff talk. We're going to give you another week before we talk about Thor and Marvel and Miss Marvel spoilers and all these things. We've got a lot to cover, and in that regard, we'll do it next week-ish. Uh, I will be driving back from a Pennsylvania wedding in the middle of nowhere. Uh, my, that sounds, that sounds a lot. Listen, we're going to time it as best we can. The whether or not I can record this podcast is going to determine on Lincoln Tunnel traffic, which we all know is a crapshoot. Mm. Yeah, both. <laughs> Roll both that dice. Both of you made the same synchronized head tilt <laughs> on my screen, and it was actually pretty awesome. That's great. <laughs> <I> really, appreciate... <laughs> uh, both of you have done that before, so you've understood it. Uh, for those that have not been in the Lincoln Tunnel, it is way less enjoyable than an off-season podcast with your favorite Noons Magician crew. It Thank is definitively so not what Elf references. <laughs> I wish I could walk through the Lincoln Tunnel. Christmas in July, so folks. Christmas in July. Uh, oh god i can't imagine <laughs> also r.i.p james con uh 
great, great elf actor. Uh, that was just really sad. Uh, on that note, thank you for listening to Troy News is an Absolute Podcast. This is what you get with us on a late Sunday night podcast. Uh, we really appreciate the support on your favorite podcast provider. Make sure you rate us, review us, subscribe us. Make sure to give us five stars so that way we can expand the Ottoman Empire to all its reaches. If you're watching us on Twitch, thank you so much. Thank you for engaging in the chat. This week you got to see what happens when those of you uh, watch live and ask questions. We will pretty much just answer anything that you ask live. So if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to hear us talk about a specific thing, tune in live on Twitch, Noons Magician Twitch. And uh, we will pretty much answer whatever question you ask. That's kind of the way we roll here. Uh, you're at, you're at my mercy to filter questions, so. <laughs> Send Steve Beer to bribe all, the judge. All of, all of your offensive line questions will be answered. <laughs> all of your base belong to us. Uh, if you are watching on noonsmagician.com via the replay options, thank you again for supporting the site. We really do appreciate it. Um, especially during the off season when those of you who are listening are the true sickos and we are all there with you. Um, but again, from all of us at newsmagician.com for Christian, for Steve, thank you so much for listening to us. Really do appreciate the support and go orange. Go orange. Go orange. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>